Good morning and welcome to Resurrection Baptist Church. I'm Anita Helm. I am not Pastor Mike Watts. Pastor Watts is on a much needed vacation and he's allowed me to be the guest speaker today for Resurrection Baptist Church's uh, worship services. And I'm so grateful to be here with the Resurrection Baptist Church family and those of you who are joining. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I wanted to tell you today's teaching is called love through reconciliation, not the beatdown. And I'm being very honest with my intention today. If you have people who are not happy about their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, they don't really like religion, they don't like to go to church, whatever the ways that you've heard people drag the church and basically put us on skid row. I want you to invite them to this teaching this morning by phone, by computer, by voicemail, whatever you're going to do to get them in. This is a teaching about reconciliation. And I used to be a sign language interpreter and the sign for friendship was going like this, right? And when you're talking about reconciled, it had little, this like two people were at odds and then they kind of, you know, get together. But I would like for some reconciliation together today with people who are believers and those who are not believers. And I'd love to do it through the word love and talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, because I'm gonna give you an example. Yesterday, I was a part of a family reunion for my side of the family. And there are times where we get together and my mom has this small little house. And when it gets too hot and when people just want to break, they usually go out on the porch and people will start puffing cigarettes and they make a drink a little drink and they may have a little conversation, they're cooling off. And then you seem to kind of relax out on the porch. Well, I want to give an opportunity today where we can kind of go on the porch and I want those people who feel uncomfortable in the doors of the church, in the pews of the church, in the seats of the church. And I just want to talk to you about the love relationship that Christ offers. And I call it love reconciliation because I want where you think that you have to stay away, where God somehow is putting all these conditions and these do's and don'ts on you. I want to talk to you today about his love and his love for you. And my purpose is for you to realize that you are loved and that empty feeling that you have, that you've been filling with everything and anything, indulging any of the things that are in your life that you want to do because you're big and bad enough to do it. And it's still not making you feel like you're loved and that you're whole. I want to talk to you today. I want to be real. I want to forget about the, the dress and the lipstick. We're right there with you right now. And I want you to hear me in a way that I'm being sensitive to giving you the best decision I've ever made in my life. And that is when I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is not going to be about religion. I'm telling you that in advance because I'm not one for religion. When people you say, oh, Anita Helm, if you ever say Anita Helm and she's religious, I want to come and slap you in your face. No, I'm kidding. Not to be no beatdowns today. And I'm being serious and I'm being tongue in cheek. This discussion today is not about me being churchy or religious or doing something to make you feel so beat down that you just have to. Christ never appealed to people one-on-one -on -one beating them down. Whether it was him with the woman at the well and her having a relationship with men that weren't working out or the woman caught adultery or all these different things that he encountered people who were sick 
and suffering and in sin. Today's focus is going to be on a passage of scripture out of Romans chapter 5 verses 1 through 11, which is going to honestly talk to you about a scripture that is meant to just pour into you God's love. Pour into you an understanding that maybe you've never given an opportunity or been given the opportunity to understand how much the Lord truly cares about you loves you. I mean, you've heard scriptures before and maybe in your Sunday school or maybe in your passages of hearing it on Facebook, it just didn't reach you. But I'm going to say a prayer at the beginning, at the onset of this, that is going to allow those of you that know God to probably call or text somebody and say, Hey, I want you to listen. Or, and those of you who really don't know a lot about God and you think you're not religious enough. Hey, honey, Hey, sister, hey, brother, it's not about being religious at all. It's about you kind of throwing your hands up and say, you know, I've tried it my way and my way is not working. All the things I've been trying are just not working. And just give me a few minutes just to share with you about how much God loves you and how much God already knows that all of us, are sinners. It don't, don't get it fooled because you see me on camera. I've messed up in my life. I, I have a whole production. I have a whole new company to tell people how much I have messed up and God still loved me. God still helped me. God still uh, say, hey girl, I gotcha. Because I want people who are in their 20s or 30s or 60s or 70s say, no matter where you are, God has said that he came because of me and because of you. And he wanted all of us to understand that we are worthwhile. We are people that he wants to have hope and love and joy in their lives. So let's start by going to Romans chapter five, verse one through 11. I'm going to read it without saying anything about it. And then I'm going to break it down into bite-sized morsels that if you're in the first grade, I hope I'm making it clear to you. If you're in the 10th grade or if you're 20, 30, 50 or you're older and you're going through dementia, I want to break the scriptures down so that you can understand today for the purposes that you will have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not a religion with him, but a relationship with him. That's my purpose. That's what I'm going to pray to God that you hear today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, thank you for this opportunity, this privilege to be with your men and women who are your creations, male, female, boy, girl, questioning. Whoever is in the sound of my voice, Father, I come before you acknowledging that you are Lord of Lords, you're King of Kings, you are our Father. And in some of our situations, we have not had a father. In some of our situations, we've had great earthly fathers. Some of them that have been absent or they've been abusive, whatever the father situation, but you have been a great kind father and you are a father that saw his creations, his children in need of a savior and you allowed your son, Jesus, to come for us to help protect and save us so that we can have somebody we can trust. And God, we confess we've sinned. We've sinned in the past, we've sinned today, we've sinned in the future, but God, you love us and you ask us for the opportunity to ask for forgiveness. And God, I ask for myself and I ask for the people on this 
broadcast, God, to listen, for us to confess that we need you, we want you, we have hope for you, that you will be the one that will love us in spite of ourselves. And Father, we are just so thankful that you've given us your word, your spirit, to help us to understand. And God, I ask today that whoever is in the sound of my voice that may know Christ will get to know you even deeper. And for those who don't know you, who I pray will want to know you after hearing the word of God, that they know that it's all about salvation. It's all about an eternal relationship. It's not only about this temporary time, it's about the time that has no end. And it's in your son, Jesus Christ, and through the spirit of God that I pray this day, amen. So Romans chapter five, verses one through 11. I'm reading out of the New King James Version, I believe. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God loves, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Now, if you have not had much exposure, access, teachings, knowledge about the Bible, that could have gone straight over your head. That could have gone straight through your ears because guess what? There are mysteries in the kingdom of God. And when you don't have a desire to know God or you really are just rebellious and you just hate God, you hate things about religion, the spirit of God may not be drawing you, but the word of God says that if Christ, it says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men, meaning men and women, unto me. I'm hoping, praying, diligently, diligently wanting that in the next few moments of me teaching this, that there's some of you, some of you I know know Christ, and I asked you to pray and intercede for this hour 
that I'm praying that somehow you're going to get a hold of this teaching and that how the spirit has been drawing you, how you've been feeling that something is just so uncomfortable. And I remember when I didn't know God and I had this void in my heart, I had something that was missing, something that was empty. I just was so uncomfortable that it wasn't until somebody talked to me about Jesus Christ in a way it wasn't, I was going to church. I had actually been baptized because I wanted to get to communion. I wanted to be like the big people and I did it for the communion just so I could take the cup and the bread like everybody else on first Sunday, but I wasn't convicted and had a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm praying that some of you listening, you don't have to chime in and jump on like some people do, but I'm hoping you've passed by and you've stopped and you're going to listen and hear what I'm going to share today. And the first thing I'm going to talk to you about is in the very opening passages of that Romans chapter 5 verse 1, it talks about we have peace. I meet a lot of people and I talk to people who don't have peace. They have depression, they have sadness, they have hopelessness, they have everything but peace. And God wants us in faith in his son to have peace. But here's the truth of it. You can try a lot of things in this world that you're capable of doing. All of us are capable of doing everything we want to do. But you can do it and not have peace. And the thing about peace is that the word of God teaches us that there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And guess what? When you have peace with God and it's with God apart from God you can't have peace with God you can have peace and the thing about Jesus is that you're going to see in these words that he knows everything that we've done past present and future things that would cause any of us to be be ashamed afraid that people knew our deepest secrets of what are the sins that so easily beset us and you'd say, how can I have peace knowing all the stuff I've done? Knowing all the things I've thought about? Knowing all the things I've acted on? All the things that I've let my flesh do? All the things that have been so bad? And I want to cry because I want you to know that there is a love and there's Jesus who loves you knowing everything you've done. And where Satan, this is the thing, in this chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Satan doesn't want you to understand any of it. Satan doesn't want you to have any appreciation about the love that God has, even while we were ungodly. That means the addict, the alcoholic, the person that's committed adultery, the person that's murdered multiple people, has been a gangbanger, has been a person that's done white collar crime, a person that has is stolen from the mom and daddy, a person that's been out on the street as a sex worker, a pimp, a prostitute, whatever you want to do, the people that have been taking children and doing ungodly things to them, everybody in sin. There's no sin higher than the other. There's not a little sin and a big sin. God sees it all. One sin is too many. The wages of sin is death. No matter where you fit on the spectrum, God sees sinners, all of us as ungodly, unrighteousness. There's none righteous, no, not one except for God. So if you're saying, oh, I'm not like her, I'm not like him, they don't know what I've done, it's not about that. He understood 
that he came for the powerless. We are the powerless. We are outside of our ability without God to overcome the flesh and our sin. But the thing about it is you can't have peace. The very thing that you want to have, which is a good night's sleep, you want to be able to turn off that brain of yours. You want to be able to rest. You want to be able to feel comfortable in your own skin. You want to feel loved. All those pieces that you want, that first verse to say, you cannot have peace outside of God. That's why he says, through faith. We're not justified through being a goody two-shoes. We're not justified for going to church every Sunday. We're not justified for giving money to the church. We're not justified for having a title. We're not justified for knowing all 66 books. We're not justified for all the things in your mind and what people may have told you. You're only justified by accepting a gift that you can't pay for, a gift that you can't earn. You are justified through having a faith that Jesus Christ is the son of God without sin, that he came and took on human flesh and still was deity. And that he loved you enough to allow himself to get on that cross and die for sins that he didn't commit, but sins that I committed and you committed. And guess what? You know, I saw something this week when they were doing all the sentencing of the proud boys from January 6th. And one of the guys started weeping he knew that he was getting ready to be separated from his family, his friends, and he believed a lie. And a lot of people who don't want to accept Jesus Christ believe the lie that Jesus is not real. Jesus is not the son of God. Jesus' word is not true. Jesus is a white man's religion. All the lies. But guess what? The whole reason for that is so Satan can have more people in hell in the lake of fire with him and his demonic forces who rebelled against God in heaven. But God says in this first verse, we who accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, who accept that he came because of love, we have peace. Not we may have peace, not that peace will come later, that we have peace. I've gone through a lot of bad things in my life. I've lost houses and cars and relationships and I've lost my peace at times with struggles because I forget that I think I'm doing it in my own flesh and then something reminds me, no, you're with God. The peace that I have is not because of what I have in my bank account, what friends I may have, what family may have, what I may have as assets and tangible things I see. I have peace because I'm with God. I have peace because he's made a promise to me. He will never leave me or forsake me. He's not left me because my husband died two years ago. He's not left me because my bank account may be a positive one day, maybe a negative one day. He won't leave me because this friend talked about me. This friend loves me. This friend does. None of that is why God gives me peace. You know why I have peace? It's because Jesus is peace. Jesus Christ is all peace. In the midst of the storm, when his disciples saw that the storm was coming and the waves were buffeting, and, and remember Peter walked out of the boat and the storm rose and he got afraid and he started to sink? Peace reached out to him and saved him when he asked, Lord, save me. Peace rebuked the storm 
And the peace that I'm talking about in this first verse is the peace will tell you in the midst of your storm, in the midst of your depression, in the midst of somebody saying you're worthless. Jesus' peace says, no, son, you're not worthless. Daughter, you're not worthless. I got on the cross because I knew how much I loved you and how much your worth to me is enough that I'm going to give my life freely for you. That's the peace that God's talking about. But guess what? Here's the problem with where we go, have, where we go off and stray, where we go off and stray, where we go off and stray off the course of understanding the peace. It's because Satan is telling you, you are worthless trash. Satan is saying to you that there's nothing good about you and, oh, you've been gone from the church. Those church folks ain't going to want you. Though, forget about the church folks. Forget about the church's buildings. Christ wants you. Christ loves you. And that's why it says here that he came and they gave us this example. It talks about that people won't give their lives for many, only the good people. Not, that's not Christ. Christ didn't look at good and bad. Oh, you got this, you got that. He didn't do no scales, all that stuff that Satan lies to you, all that stuff that people try to say, oh, you know, you got to give up that weed. Oh, you got to give up that vape. Oh, you know, you got too many tattoos. Oh, you got too many ears holes. You, you don't have been sexing that girl. You got too many unwed mothers that you done gotten banged up and they kids all over the place. That's not what God is saying because he already said he died for the ungodly in verse six. He said, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died. When we were still powerless to stop all those habits, those hobbies, to walk away from them bad men, to walk away from them foolish women, when we were powerless to really get a grip, when we were powerless to understand how much we really needed him, Christ died for the ungodly us, ungodly us, foolish us. And even if you, if you wanna believe the lie of the devil, he even further in his teaching talks about shame. And see, that's the thing. I remember being a young child and I did something, you know how children experiment with stuff? Well, I did something in my flesh and I, I got caught and I had such shame. And I had to, I, I really wrestled with shame as a child. I don't know how adults do it so much, but as a child, I was wrestling with shame. And I just didn't think God would love me because I'd done something so bad. And I finally, when I learned about Christ, I said, God, would you even forgive what I did as a kid? And God washed away all of my sin. He never brought it up. If anything, I would bring it up and God would say, I already forgot that. You don't have to be shamed for that. But the devil wanted me to be ashamed of things that I had done. And God said, I'm telling you, I've forgotten it. It's washed away with my blood. Satan is lying to you. And this is what the scripture talks to you about the shame. I'm going to go back to verse five because some of you, I sense in my spirit, you're dealing with shame of your past. And God is saying, my blood has washed it away clean as white verse 5 says and hope does not put us to shame some of you are feeling hopeless because you're so full of shame 
and the burden. That's why he said, cast all your cares. My burden is light. But see, you can't have hope when you're always thinking about your past. You're always thinking about what you can't be. God never said you can't be. He said you can do all things through Jesus Christ, which is your strength. But he says, hope, it says, and hope does not, hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured out. You know, have, you, have you ever been in a pouring rain and you got soaking wet? I mean, you went there and you went out and you thought it was going to be dry weather and it started pouring down rainy and you got soaking wet with no umbrella, no coat, no hat, and you got poured on and you got soaking wet. And God is showing a visual that he wants to show. He wants to pour out his love, not shame. Everybody talks about God, the man upstairs. I'm good with the man upstairs. He's not a man. He's a spirit. And he's holy. And he gave you his precious son who's holy and he knew we weren't. But he wants to pour out his love on us. And Satan is trying to say, don't go to God. He's going to punish you. He's going to give you the beat down. And God is continually, book after book, Book after book, verse after verse saying, I want to pour my love into you, onto you, through you, so you can feel the peace, so you can feel that you don't have to carry the shame, the burden of your shame, the burden of you saying that you are worthless. God is saying, you are so full of worth to me that I gave you my best my gift of my son. And he says, God's love is poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. He not only gave you Jesus, he said that Jesus is gonna be at the right hand of him, praying for each and every one of us. And the spirit is drawing. That, that uncomfortableness you have, that emptiness you feel, that thing that you cannot get away from, the void, the pit that you have, that the drugs, the alcohol, the euphoria of the moment of the sex, and then you feel like you're low after it. The people that you surround yourself in the bars, in the darkness, in the sadness all around you of the depression, you can't get rid of with the medication won't work, the doctor's counseling won't work. You cannot have peace apart from God. With God, you have peace putting away the shame and taking the hope, opening up yourself to be poured into with the love of God will make a difference in your life. And God says here, we're going to jump down to verse seven. People are not going to give you hope without God. People will love you. You can marry them. Your kids can be loving and all that stuff. But Nobody's going to sacrifice themselves like Christ did to save your soul. And as much as your loved ones love you, their blood is never going to allow you to escape the wages of sin, which is a death for us going to hell. But Christ did. And I want you to see in verse 8, if you don't believe that God's pouring out his love into your heart, if you don't believe that God doesn't want you to be ashamed if you don't believe that God wants you to have the peace with him, if you don't believe that he came while he knew we were ungodly and all of our habits and hobbies and sin, look at this one verse right now. 
Verse 8 says, but God, if you didn't believe any of what was said before, God cannot lie. It's impossible for him to lie. But God demonstrates. The word demonstrates means to show, to show, to so you can see. He demonstrates. He didn't put demonstrated. He left that as an active verb. He demonstrates every day to you and to me and to your, your cousins, your nephews, your friends, your, your enemies, everybody. He demonstrates even to Satan because Satan can't stand that God loved us, these creations that he made so much. His demons and him have no chance for redemption. They're going straight to hell. That rebellion, they're going straight to hell. No do-overs. But for us, his creations that he made in his image, Satan went to Genesis to talk to Mother Eve because he wanted us to be punished like him because he knew how much God loved us. But God allowed us to have Jesus, not them. He can't stand it. And he demonstrates his love that, well, it says here, but God demonstrates his own love for us, not for those demons, not for Satan and all those demons. They're going to hell. No do-over. But for us, his own love for us while we were still, still, still sinners, still sinners, while we were yet sinners, actively in it, still in it. All this junk that we're doing, that we've done, and we're doing, and we may do tomorrow, that we're still sinners. That love that he has, his own love for us, he gave his only son for us. Christ died for us. You and me. While we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, what about that do you not understand that you can't embrace? You would rather indulge in everything that's going to make you still empty. When God says, I knew everything that you were going to be big and bad enough to do. And I knew it wouldn't fill you. I knew it wouldn't make you whole. I knew it wouldn't give you what you needed on the insides of your internal core, your guts. And when Satan would come to you and say, you're not good enough, that you've lied and cheated and killed and murdered and you've been doing this and you've been doing that, all of that, I'm telling you in words that you can understand, I knew about you. I know about you. I know what's coming up about you. And I demonstrate my own love towards you. That while you were still sinning, while you were still in it, Christ got up on that cross voluntarily with you. And I say with you because all of our sins were on that cross. Past, present, and future. So when you're feeling humiliated, when you're embarrassed... Oh, oh, if I go to that church and I, I say, I want to know Jesus, they're going to they're gonna say, how can you as the prostitute, how can you as the drug addict, how is you as the whoremonger, how is you as the person that just got out of prison that murdered this person, how has you just been doing these children, how, how are they going to look at me? All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God Almighty. And he says he still demonstrated his love. And verse 9 says, since we've now been justified, it's already, it's already told you the past is the past. You're part of the family of God. 
You've been adopted and grafted in. You're part of him. Don't throw up what your past was. Don't throw up what you did yesterday because he says, I covered it with my blood. You're throwing it up because Satan is throwing it up in your face. And you're letting people that don't know God throw it up in your face. But you have to have an understanding of God demonstrates his own love. And the verse 9 says, since we have now, this is now. This is now. It's not yesterday. It's now. It's right now. He wants you to make that understanding that he loves you now. Accept him. Receive him. Confess your sins. You can't just walk up. You have to walk up and confess your sins and repent and say, I know what I did. I got to ask you, God, to ask you to wash it away clean for me because I need your son. I believe your son. And I accept the free gift of eternal salvation. It says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? God never started with the beatdown. Somehow people have gotten it in their mind because of Satan and because of people wanting to, to, to browbeat. Oh, you doing this, you gotta come to church. Christ embraced people in love. He, he was drawing people by who he was in the love and the truth, the fellowship, the peace, the grace, the long suffering. The adulterous woman there in her nakedness, as everybody's around her with a stone in her hand, he drops down on the ground and he starts writing with his fingers and we don't know what he was writing. But guess what, saints? One by one, from the oldest to the youngest, they started walking away. And she was left with just him. The only person who could condemn her was him. And he says to her, where are your accusers? And she says, sir, they're not, they, they're gone. In her nakedness, in her humiliation, in her what would be shame, he doesn't condemn her. He tells her he's not accusing her. He says, her, don't sin anymore and go off to your new life. Because she saw something in him. And when he says, here in this scripture in verse 9, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, and I'm talking to those who believe that God doesn't love you and you need to be his enemy, because that's what Satan is lying. The father of lies is lying to you to say that God is your enemy. God has given a gift to save you, to take you out of the same gate that he's going through, leading straight to the lake of fire and hell. God loves you. He does not want you to be his enemy. But when you say and refuse his love gift of Christ, you are not a part of his family. And when you weren't a part of his family, he still died for you and I. For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more? How many times do you see much more in this passage? How much more having been reconciled, reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? There is something about having love from Jesus that gets you through. Gets you through what, Anita? Gets you through everything. Gets you through being 
by yourself, but not alone because he will never leave you or forsake you. So you're not alone. Gets you through when you don't have, well, cattle on a thousand hills are his. What God, God will make who rebuked the devourer for your sake by just trusting him. Give and forgive. Trust God. It says here in verse 11, the last scripture, not only is this so. You, I mean, how, how plainer can this be? Everybody says the Bible's hard to read. When you want to have some love and some peace and some grace and some help, H-E-L-P, when you want some help, you will cry out to God and say, God, help me understand. Help me understand. And this scripture is telling you, not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received, received, we've received the reconciliation. We wanted it. We got it. And he's ours. Love through reconciliation, not the beatdown. And I got to end with this passage in 1 Corinthians 13. Everybody gets married. And you get married to a man or a woman. Your partnership. But I want to show you about Jesus' love. And in these few scriptures before we end, I want you to see that he made a choice and stayed the course and he taught and he gave and he allowed and he shares the scriptures and the word of God through people all around this world. But I want you to see the love chapter in Jesus Christ and how he loved us and loves you so that you won't doubt anymore. First Corinthians chapter 13 and verse four says love is patient. I showed you that love was patient because patience was with that woman that had caught in adultery. He was patient to let her be there, to let her accusers walk away one by one. He was patient to ask her where are your accusers and for her to recognize there was none to accuse, not even him. Jesus is patient. And he's waiting for you to receive the good news that he came to love you. It says love is kind. He is so kind. I'm a personal testimony of his kindness. Kindness is going beyond. He went beyond. He was kind to a woman at the well that he had a one-on-one -on -one relationship of communication with her to find out she had had five husbands and the man shacking up at her house back at the house wasn't hers but he didn't show unkindness to to smash her what are you doing all these men like some of us would do he was kind to her to the point that when he had that conversation with her she ran back to the town and said come see a man that was kind to me that shared truth with me. It says here, it does not envy. Christ was homeless, but Christ was deity. He owned everything, but he didn't envy the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the disciples, the people that had houses. He didn't envy them. He knew he was willing to be without a home. He said to the man that was coming after him, he said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head but he didn't envy he didn't envy that other may other people may have and guess what he had it all 
But for that time, he didn't envy. It said he did not boast. He could have said, I have a uh, cattle on a thousand hills. He could have boasted to, you know, Pilate. I could call down a legion. I could call down a host. He didn't have to boast because he knew who he was. But he was being a servant. He was being humble. He says he's not proud. He was part of the Trinity. He wasn't proud. He washed the feet of his disciples. He, he wasn't proud. It says it does not dishonor others. He was in the midst of the chief priests taking him from judgment hall, judgment hall, judgment hall, and they were lying on him. He could have told him. He could have told him all the stuff he knew. He knew all our dirt. He didn't embarrass not one of them. He could have. It's not self-seeking. It keeps no record of the wrongs. It says all. it's not easily angered. All these examples about Christ. You even see Peter. Peter denied him three times. He told him he was going to deny him. Peter didn't believe him. But he didn't throw that up in Peter's face. He doesn't throw your sin up in your face. Satan does. Our Lord loves us so much that even if you think about those who have denied him, that have betrayed him, have been evil. It says that love does not delight in evil. Judas was a son of perdition that the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit knew about. And the betrayal of what Judas did after being three and a half years with Jesus in the ministry, he betrayed Jesus Christ with a kiss. And Jesus called him friend, knowing he was the son of perdition. So I say this to let you know that the Lord protects us through the cross. He's told us to trust him, that he says, I go to prepare a place for you, for us. John 14, 3 says, I go to prepare a place for you. And it shares that, that we will be with him in the future. But guess what? If you don't allow yourself now to be reconciled with the Lord Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity. That's a clock that doesn't end. There is no, uh, you know, calling out for an alarm clock to say it's over. There are no exit signs in hell. There's no do over in hell. There is no, can, can I get a, can I get a, a second chance, God? No. He's pleading with you now to understand the love that Christ has given to all of us. And I just wanted to share with you that if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, just get by yourself. And go talk to him and say, God, I need your help. I don't understand everything, but I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I'm asking you to forgive me, wash away my sins and help me. If that's all you can do, help me. And then find a church. And I'm going to ask you to pray that God directs you to a a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church with a congregation of people that love Jesus. And, and ask God to, to protect you from any wolves who would do anything to hurt you and to cause you confusion in the walk that you seek with the Lord Jesus Christ.
God will honor the sincerity, the heartfelt prayers that you have to want to have him in your life because empty is not working. You want to be full of love and grace and hope and you want a heart that can go to sleep at night, a mind that can go to sleep at night, a peace that you haven't had for a long time. And with God, as Romans 5, 1 through 11 talks to you, start with that. Know that he loves you. Start with that. I thank you all for the privilege and the opportunity to listen today for love through reconciliation, not the beatdown. Because I truly believe, as I say many times every week for my Teaching Milkshake Mondays, the harvest is ripe and plenteous, but the labors are few. And we laborers, we got to pray to the Lord of the harvest that more of us will come to know that God, the Lord Jesus Christ, is about love and not the beatdown. And I just pray that someone today has accepted the Lord for the love that they need in their lives. Lord willing, I know that Pastor Watts will return to Resurrection Baptist Church next week to be here to give another word of God testimony for those who are going to be here to listen to the love of God. I love you and I thank you all for tuning in today. Share the message of truth. God bless you.